Good morning and welcome to the Action Hour. It is a rainy, ugly morning out there in Huntsville, and uh, everybody be careful driving this morning. In the studio, we have Brad Garwin, our famous ninja CPA from Hallbright Garrison Associates. And uh, good morning, Brad. Good morning, Dave. Great to be here. Great to be here, too. Um, it was a it was a rough drive in traffic and, mm-hmm. and weather and oily streets after no rain for a couple of weeks, And uh, but we're due for, for, the, uh, for the rain, and we needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, uh, I'm I'm really glad to have you back. You were on the very first show with us, and uh, and you're a, a good friend, and and we're winding things down here in the season, and um, uh, we're going to talk about pitfalls in accounting for Halloween. Yes, that's a great topic. Halloween's uh, one of my favorite holidays. You know, my family and I love it, and we're getting ready. And you know, there's always some scary stories that come out of the tax and accounting world. Yeah, this is the the time of year where a smart small business owner is uh, uh, paying close attention to their finances and and gathering up their financial documents for review and uh, taking stock of how the year went, and making plans for the next year, and uh, and getting ready for tax season. And uh, uh, it's just a good a good time of year to be reviewing uh, their financial documents and t- and sitting down with their accountant. So that's why we're we're here today. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Your, your CPA or accountant we know, will love you if you come and you know, start getting organized, start get planning now uh, versus waiting until February, March, April. You know, that's at that point, it's you're too close to the deadline and, you know, we'll still help you, but much better to plan now and go ahead and have a, a good tax plan in place. So anybody who uh, who had all their extensions and everything in this in uh, this year and uh, we've passed all the deadlines for extensions, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. For your standard tax filer, everything had to be due no later than ten fifteen. You know, also the nine fifteen deadline. But yeah, that's all passed, and so now we're starting to look forward to twenty sixteen, uh, that filing season, and take, starting to take count of everything that needs to be coming up. So if if uh, if you didn't get back to your CPA in time for those deadlines, he will not like you. Yeah. Well, I mean, now <laughs> now there is less of a, a demand on his time, but yes, now you're talking. You, you know, you're looking at potential uh, trouble from you know the different filing agencies for being a little bit after the deadline. So let's talk about um, the big big pitfalls and and small business in general. Not not just because it's this time of year, but uh, let's talk about the. Um, the uh, problems that you typically see in small businesses and and maybe how we can better prepare to overcome them. Well, one of the biggest things is really just not having a plan in place and, you know, trying to uh, go off your financial planning, accounting, uh, you know, tax planning, uh, just, you know, in the next year, you know, some businesses may take an approach, you know, especially smaller ones that may not have the, the capabilities, but you know, it's still important there where you just t- need to take a look periodically, not just at the end of the year, but throughout the year. Um, and that's where having a good set of books, you know, using QuickBooks or whatever accounting software, even if it's Excel or something, as long as you have a consistent and reliable approach to getting that data, you know, inputting it regularly and then being able to extract it and use the reports or whatever numbers you're generating to make a good decision, that's what you want to see. And too often you see businesses that you know, they think, okay, well, you know, I'm only going to look at it, you know, once a year or just a tax time. And, you know, you're not able to make the best decisions when you go only, you know, that often as far as getting the data you need. Yeah, I hear it uh, a lot, you know, uh, some version of, well, my, my accounting plan is make money, spend money, and sometimes tell my accountant about it. Mm-hmm. People often look at their bank account to figure out, okay, what can I do? But that's going to give you the, the the cash information as to whether you have the cash, but it's not necessarily giving the information as to whether you have the 
revenue, the profit, you know, the, the right uh, financial situation to do certain things. If you want to purchase an asset, hire an employee, expand, you know, make an investment in your company, some form or fashion, or even take money out, you know, to pay yourself, you need to know, you know, how your accounting and finances are, are looking. Uh, this is the time of year when people uh, who are looking at their finances start making decisions about end-of-the-year purchases to review the, to reduce their tax uh, liability in January. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, that's uh, that's definitely a good strategy. One of the struggles here, and you know, I won't get too much into the political political aspect of it, but a lot of it is unknown. There's um, you know some certain uh, tax provisions like this 179 deduction and bonus depreciation that give you those accelerated uh, tax deductions, but they're up in the air as to whether they'll either be renewed or uh, renewed at the current level they're at. Uh, 179 for 2014 was at um, $500,000 limit. Uh, right now, unless it gets renewed, it's much lower. Um, so it usually gets renewed, but you know, you're just, it's hard for me to tell you, hey, you need to do this if I don't know for certain that it's actually going to happen. And it's been it, it's moving through Congress, but you know there's no final word, and until we know the final word on it, it's hard to make a, a definite uh, plan. And you know again, they're making progress, which is good, but it's you know we're now uh, into the fourth quarter, and it'd be great instead if we knew you know way ahead of time. Um, how does uh, being an LLC or an S corp or C corp or uh, partnerships, any of that, how does that how should that change our activity and the way we're looking at our accounting here in the last quarter? Well, for uh, entity type, you really just need to talk to your accountant and say, okay, if I'm an LLC, uh, there's some certain maneuvers we can make. If I'm an S corp, it just or a C corp, it really just depends on uh, kind of all the different aspects of your business at that point. Um, there's certain things that you can do later on in the year or even next year that you can't necessarily necessarily do now or you know do later on for other type of entities. All right. Well, uh, we're going to start getting into the real horror stories here in a minute, and we'll be back. Welcome back and good morning. I'm Dave Lakin in the studio with Brad Garland from Hall Brighton Garrison Associates, a local CPA firm. Um, Brad, let me ask you, I had something come up this week with a client or a potential client uh, who is starting up a new business and uh, it's it's just her. And, uh, and she told me that she wanted to start it as a C-Corp. Um, but you know, I uh, I know that if you're if you're starting a, a C corp, you know one of the reasons you do it that way is if you're rolling over a four hundred one k, investing it in a new business, uh, so that you have startup funds to to work with. But that's not the case for her. So uh, can you explain a little bit between the 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 difference between the C corps, S corps, LLCs, and uh, why people would go in in either direction? Yeah, absolutely. That's the question we get a lot. And there's two aspects here, you know, the, the tax uh, decision of what sort of entity type you want to be, and then the legal decision. And I'll, you know, discuss the tax side a little bit. But I think that's a question, again, that we get a lot. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, confusion uh, going on with uh, some common misunderstandings here. Um, you know, of course, if someone's just starting out on their own, a lot of times they just do a sole proprietorship. Um, you know, there's not as much uh, formation needed. But if they want something a little uh, you know, more robust as far as organization goes, they head to one of those other entity types. Uh, here in Huntsville, you know, S-Corps are really popular, but it's not the right fit for everybody. People may assume, oh, I need to be an S-Corp, but, you know, let's, you know, make sure to look at the other options as well. LLC is very flexible. Um, I was speaking with an attorney, and they, you know, they were telling me how 
recently the Alabama laws on LLCs have really kind of made it uh, on par with a lot of other states that are uh, able to make LLC a very uh, attractive uh, entity type. And the LLC is good because it can be really flexible. You can do an LLC on your own, just as a single member LLC. If you add some other members, it becomes a you know multi-member limited liability company. And then if you want to change, you can go to an S corp or C corp uh, on the tax side. All the while, pretty much maintaining uh, that same you know uh, entity type you've chosen of LLC. Uh, the IRS allows you to kind of go for different options uh, depending on what your setup is, but. It makes it very, uh, um, you know, for a small business, for a startup, it makes it a very good choice to start there and then, uh, you know, go from there and look at the different tax implications and legal implications as you go along. Um, but, you know, LLC is, is very good right now. It's, you know, it's a relatively new entity type compared to some of the others, but it allows, you know, flexibility between just having you or multiple other members as partners or, uh, you know, even becoming more of a, a corporation later on down the line. Uh, as your business kind of demands it. Uh, and you can kind of revisit that and do some planning. And again, that's where a good accountant and a good attorney can really come into play and help you make the right decisions, not only at the start, but as you uh, proceed along on your business as it grows and changes and everything. Yeah, we had Steve Shaw in earlier in the in the quarter, and uh, I know you know him. And uh, from a legal standpoint, he was saying that there's changes coming about uh, in, in LLC structure and and uh, some of them are pretty advantageous for the new business owners, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, if, if you're if you're interested in starting up a small business and haven't haven't started making those uh, inroads yet, then uh, definitely do your homework as to which way is yeah. the best way to go for you. Get good advice from uh, from an attorney and from an accountant, um, and because those laws are are always changing, and uh, and and so you really need to be talking to the experts who are responsible for keeping up with those laws. Uh, don't just go to loans from your own Wikipedia research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people head online. And, you know, again, it really depends state by state, too. And there's just so many different circumstances that can change your answer from someone else's, even just from the uh, generic answer you may get out of there on the Internet or something that, you know, seeking the professional uh, advice that a, an attorney, a CPA can provide is very, very helpful. Yeah. And, and uh, another thing that I've seen, uh, uh, unfortunately, pretty often is that a new business, new small business owner uh, will get out there and start doing business in the market uh, without getting his business license and without setting up, you know, his, his whole tax structure and mm-hmm. stuff. And that's just asking for trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a good setup to begin with. Otherwise you're, you know, just from a liability standpoint and all the other you know aspects you got to take into, uh, take into account. It, it's, yeah, some good planning at the front end. If better. I started business in January and then didn't go ahead and set up all that until you know June, what does that do mm-hmm. to you guys, or will you even touch it, or what? Well, it's just a question of what what the business is, what you've been doing. But you know, it's important that um, some of these things, if you started in January but didn't get a you know official until later on in the year, you know, there may be some fixing involved. You know, at some point. Yeah. But the uh, the short story there is don't set yourself up for liabilities. Yeah. You know, set your business up properly, do a business plan, mm-hmm. uh, get all your your legal documents in place, and uh, and and start it up right because it's uh, um, you know you just be set up right for for down the road and and uh, you know later when things get busy you don't want to be going and backtracking and having to fix that stuff. Yeah, I me mean, personally as a as a CPA, you know, you want to get as much information as possible and have a good plan in place, and that's kind of my. Uh, you know, just as my career, just kind of my mindset. And so, you know, that that definitely speaks to that is you don't want to just kind of run off and do something, get a plan in place and, 
there's a lot of resources you can turn to, which will, you know, give you the tools you need to say, okay, here's what I need to do as a business regarding, you know, setting up legally, getting employees and getting a good location and everything. Um, And that's where, you know, again, having that plan makes a huge difference as opposed to just winging it. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a I'm a business coach, and I know a lot of coaches out there are threatened by accountants, but that's ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a coach and not an expert in any one school in business. Um, you know, I can help business owners in a lot of areas, but when it comes time to talk to your accountant, your lawyer, your marketing expert, I absolutely want you to talk to them. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. So uh, for the live audience, we have eight minutes between the last segment and this segment. And then for the podcast folks, you have no no time difference at all. So the hazard here is that we talk about all this stuff during the eight minutes, <laughs> during the eight minute break. Uh, and, it, and it's all stuff that we want to get on the air. So um, one of the things we were talking about off, uh, off mic was the uh, the hazards that small business owners have in uh, in pricing and in setting up their business, um, with regards to, to pricing, um, you know, I was working with a small business owner, and uh, and she, you know, she wanted to start a business. She'd been working as a partner in somebody else's business, but the you know they need to break off and and because uh, the other business isn't profitable, and so she said, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go get a box and work out of it, and and everything's going to be wonderful, and I'm going to make lots of money. And uh, is that something you you see uh, pretty often, or you know, people just think, hey, I, I have a I have a good product or a good skill. It's certainly marketable, or at least I think it is, and and uh, and I'm going to go make lots of money. Yeah, a lot of times I'll see you know a, a startup business or you know a brand new small business really try to go it on their own, and you know they've they really love what they do and they're good at it. You know that that's something they've either been doing or they have a passion for, but. They don't take into account some of the accounting aspects and legal aspects and just all the, the, the you know, kind of back-end business stuff that goes into that. Uh, there's a phrase on a, I think it's Pandora or somebody has this commercial, but uh, they, it says, you know, don't let your, you know, your, your drive for your business be ended by passion-smashing paperwork. And, you know, I was like, that's a weird <laughs> phrase, but the more I think about it, the more accurate that is, you know, because, you know, someone who opens up a bakery, they didn't open that up to do, you know, five hours of paperwork every week. You know, that or ten or whatever, however much they get to. They, they didn't. They did it to you know, make to bake things they love and then you know sell them and you know be be an owner in that business and run it. But they don't want to instead be oh, okay. Let me fill out this you know form WZ and this you know this next ten ten twenty five or you know whatever form they have to do. That's not what it's about. And you know if, a if they're not uh, aware of that ahead of time and then they get to that point like oh okay, let me do this now. I didn't know how, I didn't know how to do it. Now I got to figure out how to do it. And then B later on when they get bigger, you know, they, that may take up more and more of their time. And that's where, you know, getting a CPA, getting an attorney, you know, getting other business consultants to help really, uh, you know, pays for itself. Because at that point, you know, you don't want to be doing that. You want to be doing what you love. And again, don't let that passion smashing paperwork come and take that away from you. Well, and so this is where I'm going to be totally self-serving here as a business coach, because when you're setting up a business... Um, you know, nobody argues that you should have an, a, an attorney to help you to set up and, and review uh, your initial documents. Nobody argues that you should have an accountant. Good idea to get some some great marketing advice. But, you know, every year the Fortune 500 list comes out 
and uh, studies, you know, st- all kinds of studies that get sparked from uh, from the data there. And in 2011, it was something on the order of 60% of every business. And now it's 86% in 2015. 86% of the top 500 businesses in the world, 86% use a coaching program at the executive level. So if the top of the cream of the crop of the uh, of the corporate world sees the importance of it, and every major sports player, your little league team, if, if the rest of the world understands the value of having a coach, why would you have a business, you know, whether whether you've had it for 30 years, whether you've had it for 30 minutes, doesn't matter. Why would you be trying to own and operate a business without a coach sitting on your shoulder and helping you to uh, avoid that Mack truck coming down the road to hit you or somebody you can see the rest of the field and the rest of the picture and, and help guide you in, into one direction or another? It, it boggles my mind why people get out there and, and try and go it alone without some great advice sitting on their shoulder. Uh, in, in, that same, in that same scenario with the uh, woman trying to break off from the business that she's working in, um, another thing that small business owners don't do, particularly you know brand new business owners, they don't sit down and do a great accounting of the expenses that they're going to incur early on in the business. And that being you know the, the initial startup costs, of course, uh, because lawyers cost money, accountants cost money, coaches cost money, um, but also you know the the cost of rent, you know, to lease the space you want to work in, and computer systems, and software, and telephones, and getting those initial forms made, and getting the marketing kicked off, and all that. They don't properly sit down and, and estimate what those costs are going to be, so that they know how many customers they have to have, and then they don't have a great sense of. Uh, how much? How much is, are my customers going to pay me? You know, should I undercut my cost because I'm brand new in the market and I want lots of customers? Well, that's almost always a bad idea. So, what do you think of all that? I don't want to do all the talking here. Well, yeah, you definitely need to get a good handle on that because, you know, someone who's going into a brand new business or something may think, okay, here's an instance where you know I I know again you know they have a passion for something and they know how to make money at it, but until you get a good idea of what those, uh, you know, recurring and even just one-time expenses are going to be to get that business off the ground, you know, you don't know how to, again, uh, plan for, uh, you know, the right, you know, financial and accounting impacts that that's going to have. you got to be able to say, okay, here's how my business is going to show and maintain profitability and not just kind of guess at it or, you know, stab at it in the dark. You really need to know, okay, every time this happens, here's what's the financial impact on it to me or my business. And that way you can have a, a plan, you know, a month, six months, a year, you know, 10 years down the road, at least some plan, you know, obviously a 10 year plan is going to uh, veer from what the plan is, but it's going to give you at least a, a line of sight and, you know, further on down the road. And basic research, you know, there, there are places you can go out online, certainly into the Department of Labor and, uh, and search your industry. So if you're a residential electrician or something like that, you can go and, and search uh, the the data for residential electricians across the country and find out what the typical profit margin is, what the typical overhead costs are, you know what what uh, a technician generally gets paid, um, so that you're setting up your business in accordance with uh, established notional standards at least across the country, so that you're not way off base. If you think that you're going to go in and make fifty seventy five percent profit on every job that you do, then you're dreaming. Uh, because you, know, you take the cost of your materials plus the cost of your labor plus the, all your overhead fixed costs, 
uh, and then add the profit margin that you want to make, and that determines your pricing. But people don't even do that basic, basic thing. A lot of the trades businesses, they just say double the cost of materials and three times the cost of labor, and that's what my price is. And uh, and uh, and then they don't understand why they're not getting all the business they ought to be getting. Yeah, one of my coworkers, Fawn Smith, she uh, mentioned this to me a couple of days ago. It's you know, just kind of a uh, joke, but you know, it brings up a really good point is that you know, when you get your driver's license, you have to, you know, go through certain training and really know, you know, the rules of the road, not just the written ones, but just, you know, how, how does one drive in a, in a standard commute and everything and on the highway and, you know, country roads and everything. you got to know more than just the laws. Uh, but when you have a business license, you know, you, you need to know that too, even though it's not necessarily part of any sort of test or anything, you need to know these certain basic things about your business and about the business environment in general, not only just your industry, but your your physical, you know, your location, you know, how's the Huntsville market, how's the market for, you know, bakeries or whatever, um, you know, you need to know all that. And just assuming something, you know, that's, that's how you end up in a wreck, both in your car and your business. Yeah. Yeah. We make people go through driver safety courses and motorcycle safety courses, and we just hand them a gun and we just hand them a business. And, uh, and that's certainly a recipe for disaster unless, unless they, again, they have, they've had great coaching or they've, you know, been born and raised in an entrepreneurial type of family. Um, or, you know, they, of course they've done it before, but, uh, to go out there the first time, there's just so many, so many pitfalls to, uh, to stumble over. Or what are some of the, if, you know, certainly in your time as an accountant, you've, uh, you've amassed some amount of stories and, and, uh, you know, horror stories who are in Halloween week, mm-hmm. you know, what are the, you know, worst case scenarios that you've seen? Uh, well, <clears throat> going back to the entity type you mentioned earlier, you want to make sure you have the right one. Uh, you know, I've had this happen more than one occasion where, you know, uh, a, a business may be making a good bit of money and is the wrong en- entity type. Um, you know, uh, LCs, partnerships, those are going to be subject to self-employment tax. And, you know, you can, uh, elect certain different type of entities, which will minimize that impact depending on what you choose. Because you know, again, as a as an LLC or a partnership, or even a sole proprietorship, everything is subject to all of the net profit is subject to that tax. And if you change your entity type around, you know, you could be looking at saving you know tens of thousands of dollars depending on what sort of uh, revenue you're looking at every year. And so again, that's just uh, you know, <laughs> that's to me is a horror story there, where a simple tax change can save you a good bit of money and you're not doing it, you know, that's, to me, is the definition of a tax horror story. Um, you know, another one is I saw someone that, you know, waited until, 20, you know, the next year. So, for example, they waited until January 2016 to come to me and say, hey, by the way, I made a bunch of extra revenue this year. You know, uh, you know, there's just certain things you have to do by the end of the year for some good planning. And, you know, if, if I'm going along assuming nothing's changed and, hey, there is this extra revenue I'm not aware of, you know, we need to know that ahead of time. Yeah. Well, when we come back, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you uh, what are the top things that you wish your clients were coming to ask you, and but they aren't. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. We get Brad Garland from Hall. Brad Garrison here. Um, so you know, I've been kind of doom and gloom for most of the hour, and you know, I feel like maybe my costume this year should be Grim Reaper. But uh, there are some great stories out there in businesses and, uh, and, and uh, for people who've done their planning, done their homework, good at their skill, um, and have, have investigated the market for, for how well are they solving a solution that, uh, that uh, fixes a need that's certainly out in the market, they're going to do well. 
So for those kinds of people who are proactive and go out and do those, uh, do the advanced research, um, what are the top things that you wish your clients were coming to you and asking you that, uh, that typically they aren't? Uh, one of the big things that we see is just, you know, what, uh, what should this person that's working for me be? Um, you know, they may assume that this person should be an independent contractor and, you know, paid with a 1099 or, you know, hey, this person actually may need to be an employee. Um, that's really one of the hot topics with the IRS is because they're able to, you know, assess pay, uh, payroll tax to begin with and then usually penalty initially on top of that. So that's really one of the things that whenever someone's hiring somebody either for the first time or if they're just uncertain as to what, you know, this new hire ought to be because, you know, you may have, you know, 10 employees, but maybe this other person, uh, you know, what, what sort of category should they be in? That's something that if they would ask us ahead of time, that would save a lot of headache later on down the road because really it's it's just a question of what sort of form should I, I be filling out beforehand? How should I be treating this person? And even something small, if someone is pretty much an independent contractor, but you've got one or two things that kind of take them out of that category, you know, maybe you can even look at not doing those one or two things. The IRS is uh, big on anyone who wears something with a logo on it. So let's say you've got an employee or you know just someone working for you, and they you know maybe do something totally on their own, but you say, hey, you know, I want you to wear one of my shirts. You know that that may be enough to push them into that different category, which means a whole other world of reporting and taxes. And again, that if you have ten other employees and you add one more, not as big a deal. But if this is going to push you to your first one, that can be something that you need to look at beforehand. And again, if you Ask your accountant before before you make that decision. That's something that can save a little bit of trouble and effort uh, further on down the road, as opposed to you know making that decision. Oh yeah, by the way, here's something that we did uh, previously, and then suddenly you're stuck without being able to have that much flexibility. Yeah, that landscape company I mentioned to you earlier here in town uh, is doing that. He's taking every function in his business and and turning them all into independent contractors to run his business with them. That uh, that just sounds like a recipe for disaster to me, but. Um, but certainly somebody smarter than me out there maybe is it advising him. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. So, Brad, you're on the very first episode with uh, Megan Chitwood from B&I, and uh, we were talking about great marketing strategies for small businesses. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to quiz you here. So what, is, what do we call the top marketing strategies for a small business? Uh, low budget, get it done. Uh, get some new business going. Uh, well, again, referral marketing, you know, some of the networking aspect that BNI goes into is good. Social media, it's a good way to reach a lot of people too. You know, if you if you know how, you know kind of how to operate that, or even if you want to, you know, kind of contract that out. Those are um, some great tools that are relatively low cost, low, um, you know, compared to some other things like you know just other advertising you can do. That's a way where you can invest your you know, you bit of time and everything, but get some good results. You know, if you kind of know your know your uh, whereabouts. I get a lot of pushback on BNI because people say, "Well, you know, I went to a couple of meetings and didn't really like it," and and uh, you you can't really, really truly uh, qualify whether or not business BNI is working for you in a couple of of visits. However, having said that, I encourage anybody, whether you're business to consumer or business to business. Uh, get out there and visit BNI because that is a room full of local business leaders who know how to network, who know how to ask for referrals, who know how to pass referrals, who know how to listen to a conversation, look for the opportunity to make referrals. And that is one of the biggest strengths for a small business owner is to build that stable of skills 
and people they can reach out to at a moment's notice and say, hey, I need help with this thing. You know, you can go to, to Google and say, I need, I need an accountant and find a bunch of accountants listed on Google. But if you developed a relationship with an accountant and uh, he knows you, you know him, he knows your business, he knows your target market, type of clients that you like and type of clients that you don't like, that makes him so much more powerful for you. And, uh, and those are the kind of relationships that you build in BNI. Um, so, I mean, Brad and I are both in the, in the same BNI group and, uh, and actually Brad started that group. And uh, I can tell you that my business wouldn't be near where it is if it weren't for the strength that uh, BNI brings to it. Um, so find your local BNI groups here in Huntsville. We have eight or 10, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there are 42 chapters in, in Alabama alone. Uh, you know, just get on the internet, find out where your local chapters are, go visit a few of them and start building that network. It'll bring you great strength in your business. Yeah. BNI Alabama.com has a list of all those. And, um, you know, our chapter BNI Cove just moved. Uh, we're over there at Art and Soul, uh, with Kim Potter in the Cove area. So definitely, uh, check us out and check out all the others. How do people get in touch with you at, uh, Hallbrook Garrison? Uh, you can just email me. Uh, my email address is bgarland, B-G-A-R-L-A-N-D, at com, And you can also just hit up uh, info at haggascpas.com. Uh, that, you know, takes us uh, takes it to uh, an easy-to-remember email address, too. Um, and then, you know, we're right at the corner of Meridian Monroe, downtown, edge of downtown. And, uh, you know, that's where the uh, FBI used to be located until they moved out. So we're in that uh, three-story white building. Very good. And uh, you guys put out a newsletter. I know that I, I get that newsletter full of great information. Um, small business owners need to keep up on accounting principles and practices for their business, and that's a good way to do it. How do they get on your newsletter? Uh, if you go to our website, haggascpas.com, H-A-G-A-C-P-A-S.com, you can sign up for it there. Um, it's basically got some you know uh, news and updates from around the accounting tax world and Huntsville area. But a lot of the articles, you know, we curate those ourselves. We don't go out to a third party. So you're going to find content that's specifically geared toward, you know, our kind of our client base in the Huntsville area, which makes it pretty unique uh, for, you know, for an accounting firm in the, in the region. And what is HAGAU? Uh, HAGAU is a series of seminars that we offer just, you know, so clients and other uh, people in the business arena can learn more about different aspects of what's going on as far as, you know, what they need to do from a tax perspective. And we even bring in uh, other presenters so that we can, you know, have a legal background, business coaching background, and, you know, anything that can help one of our clients or another, you know, business, this is a way for them to learn more <clears throat> about what they need to be doing. Um, for me, uh, Dave Lakin, Action Coach, uh, I need your feedback. Go to go to Facebook, Dave Lakin Business Coach, and uh, give me your feedback. Otherwise, this show will not continue. We can't do things that don't work for us. I don't recommend anybody in business does that. I need your feedback. Dave Lakin, Business Coach on Facebook. Until, until next week, you have a great week. Make good business.